Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. I give you praise because I'm anointed to teach. And thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come into your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So we started this conversation on the fact that God wants to guide us. God wants to guide you. And it's important for us to understand that the guidance of God is available to every one of his child. The guidance of God is available to every one of his child or to every one of his children. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, uh, chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and we are going to read verse 16. Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse, let's start from verse 14. For all who have been led, and I like the word being led because it speaks of a continuous guidance. You need to pay attention to this because uh, the message of being led by the Spirit or being guided by the Spirit can make the difference between life and death for you. After being born again, the next most important thing you should know is how to be led by the Spirit. How to be guided by the Spirit. And I'll repeat it again and I'll say it as loud as I can and as many times as I can say it. The Lord has never ordained that His children in the New Testament, and I emphasize, in the New Testament, be guided by prophets. In the Old Testament, uh, they, they, there was the ministry of the prophet because the people could not hear God directly. How many of you know in the Old Testament they couldn't be born again? Alright? In the Old Testament they could not be born again. Why? Because you cannot be born again except you accept the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And then Jesus had not been crucified. So they could not be born again. So the Spirit in the Old Testament, listen very carefully to me, was upon them. The Spirit was not in, in them. It came upon them. So you would hear, they say, and the Spirit came upon Samson. And the Spirit came upon, you know, whoever it was coming upon. So the Spirit could only come upon them. The, the Spirit could not reside in them. And so when God had to speak, He spoke through the ministry of the prophets to guide, to provide direction to them. But in the New Testament, it's not that way anymore. The ministry of the prophet in the New Testament is a lot more different. In the Old Testament, the prophets, in fact... Uh, well, I'm, I might have to do a teaching on that, on the ministry of the prophet in the Old Testament. There were even five classes of prophets in the Old Testament. We, call, we, we just generalize all of them as prophets. It's the way we call everybody pastor. Everybody is not a pastor. There are some that are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. Okay? But in the Old Testament, there were several kinds of prophets. There were, there were prophets who were called the seers. Alright? There were prophets who were called the seers. And Samuel was called a seer. Then they had the Nabi prophets. And several kinds of classes of prophets like that. Abraham was called a prophet. But Abraham never saw any vision. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, in the New Testament, our primary way of being led is by the Spirit of God on the inside of us. So, he says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
Okay? Verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. So, the spirit of slavery is the spirit of fear. And that's why any child of God who is living in fear, it's a spirit of slavery. The Bible says God is not giving us the spirit of fear. So, every time we are afraid, we're picking up from another source, not the source of God. Faith will make you not to be afraid. Okay? So, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out what? Abba, Father. The word Abba in the Hebrew is Daddy. Okay? It's like we have received the spirit in us to cry Daddy. So we can shout Daddy. Okay? Now, the next verse, it says, The spirit. Now, uh, uh, let me show you something now. Uh, can you... I don't know if you can put it up all together. Can you put the four verse, Can you put the four verses together in one place? Verse fourteen to verse seventeen. Can you do uh, verse fourteen to verse sixteen? Can you do that? Can you put it all together in one? I just want everything to appear in the screen, if you can. But if you cannot, okay. Can you see it? Can Can you all see it? Are you going home? Can you all see it? Alright, now, I want you to look at the Spirit of God there. For all who have been led by the Spirit of God. Look at the Spirit of God there. Look at the screen. Okay, is that capital S? Okay, is that capital S? Alright. So, if you see capital S in the Scripture, it refers to the Spirit of God. Capital S, is, it refers to the Spirit of God. Okay, that's how the translators did it. Now, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery. Can you see the spirit of slavery there? Is small letter S. <laughs> so it's, it's, it means that's not God. Right. Okay. Leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, the spirit, capital S again, himself testifies with our Spirit, talking about small s. This is our spirit now. That we are children of God. Now, the King James Version uses a word. It says, the spirit bears witness with our spirit. That we are the sons of God. Now, what is that witness? That witness is identification. So, the only reason I know that you're a son of God is because the Holy Ghost is bearing witness with your spirit that you're the son of God. That's why when you get born again on the inside of you, you know that you're God's child. And so, listen very carefully, primarily, when God wants to speak to you, He's going to speak to you by the instrumentality of the Spirit, because the Spirit can communicate with your Spirit. And I'll deal with how God speaks next Sunday. But I want you to understand something, that the Spirit of God now bears witness with us that we are His sons. We belong to Him. We are His children. A couple of days back, myself and my wife went out to town and, and the kids were home. So when, I, when we came in, I knocked on the door. And my son said, who is that? So I called his name and I knocked on the door again. You know how you knock when the house is your house. Alright? So I knocked that way. <laughs> and he said, oh. And he came to open the door. Now, how did he know I'm his father? He's heard me all his life. So he recognizes my voice. Go to John. Go, go with me to John. 
John chapter 10. Let me show you something here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John chapter 10 and verse 27. John 10, 27. Look at this. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. So, if you are God's sheep, you have been programmed to hear His voice already. How many of you have very close friends, even when they call you, and maybe their numbers have changed, after listening to them for like two minutes, you say, oh, and you call their name. Why? Because you constantly hear them. Now, how is it that we now train believers that they cannot hear God except a prophet prophesies over their life? Why do we train people that way? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So, the fact that you are a child of God, listen to me very carefully, in you, you are already programmed to hear God's voice. You can hear God. And one of the reasons why a lot of Christians feel they can't hear God is because we make hearing God very dramatic. So when you hear stories of, you know, as a minister, sometimes you hear stories of how God spoke. You see, man, God came into my room. There was thunder. There was lightning. God, you know, took me from the bed, shook me six times, called me by my native name. And I said, here am I, Lord. And he said, I'm sending you. You know, and, and you feel like, wow, God doesn't talk to me that way. You remember the when God was speaking to Elisha and he said, the thunder and all of that. He says, the voice of God was not there, but in the still small voice. The greatest directions you are going to get in your life will come through the still small voice of the Holy Ghost on your inside. It's not going to be spectacular. And so, in the New Testament, we're not designed to be led by prophets. And I really want to emphasize that because a lot of us have put our life on jeopardy because we keep listening to people and we're not listening to the voice of God. Can prophets provide direction? Yes, they can. But they only provide direction affirming what God has already said to your spirit. I mean, I've been in meetings where I spoke over people and gave them prophetic word. And the first thing I said when I give you a prophetic word, if this does not match with anything in your spirit, throw it away. That's the first thing I tell anybody. I don't have to force people to receive what I, what I, what I am saying as a prophetic word from God. The primary way God wants to guide you is by the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And that's why you have to live a life constantly where you hear the voice of God. Where the voice of God, your mind is trained to listen to the voice of the Spirit. The more you live in sin, the more you quench the voice of the Holy Ghost, the more you will not be able to hear God. We'll talk about hearing God and hindrances to hearing God. But I want to establish the fact that we are God's children and we can hear God. Hallelujah. Come on, say, I'm a child of God. I can hear you. Say, I'm a child of God. And I can hear the voice of God. Say it one more time. Say it everybody. Say, I'm a child of God. And I can hear the voice of God. Yeah, you can. To guide you. Because God wants to guide every area of your life. As a young single man, don't only attempt to hear God when you want to marry. You will not know if that's the voice of God. You know, sometimes we only want to hear God at the critical junction of our life. And meanwhile, we're just living the way we want. When it comes to something, we want to hear the voice of God. If you have not trained yourself to hear the voice of God, you will not be able to recognize when God speaks. So, you need to constantly train yourself to hear the voice of God. And the more you mature and you start hearing the voice of God, stop saying, something told me. Okay, when you are a baby, you can say that something said, something said. But the more you mature, you don't even have to say the Lord said. Just say, I feel an impression in my spirit. I, I, I feel my inward witness. Don't be saying something. Don't be calling the Holy Ghost something. You should have better sense than that now. 
Praise God. And the reason some of you also are, are, are finding it difficult to be led by the Holy Ghost is because you have enough of tradition in your head, so you mix the leading of the Holy Ghost and traditional things your father have told you. So maybe you're coming out of the house and you kick your left leg. And you say, ah, it's like today will not be good. Say, what happened? I kicked my left leg. So you realize that you're, you're guiding your life by, uh, uh, what's that now? By, what's that? African tradition, by your ancestors. Your ancestors are providing guidance and the Holy Ghost. So you, there's confusion there. Are you following what I'm saying? So you understand that for you to receive guidance, you have to train yourself in a certain way. Let me give you a football example. You, you, you find that some coaches are very dramatic. They, they stay on the touchline, they, they blow whistle, they'll point this direction, they'll point this direction, they'll do two signs, two on the midfield. Or they're, they're, You that's watching the match, you will know that the coach is saying something. You don't have an idea. But the players have an idea. You know why? Because the players have a relationship with the coach. They've trained with the coach. So if the coach, for instance, ex- uh, put, puts a substitute player and does maybe three at the midfield or we're going on a diamond formation, what's going to happen? The players will go into formation. And you sometimes can even feel that the coach is disturbing. Say, let them play. Leave them. Sit down. Let them play. You know why? You don't have that relationship. It's the same thing. If you develop your relationship with God, it will be easy for God to just guide you. You will just know. It can be very easy. See, it can come to the point where even when you forget little things, the Holy Spirit will start reminding you. That's, I mean, and are you following what I'm saying? Little things. You just say, oh, do this, oh, do this, do this. And before you know, you're training yourself to hear the voice of the Spirit. And the day that it will prevent you from danger, you're already trained that way. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Okay, so it says, my sheep will hear my voice. So we all have the capacity to hear God. Please listen carefully to this. We all have the capacity to hear God because I've seen people get into ministry that, when, that the Lord hasn't called them into ministry because someone prophesied them into. So you go for a meeting and somebody comes and says, you know what, you know what, I'm looking at you now. I see a Bible in your hand. Yeah, you can see a Bible in somebody's hand. It can mean that the guy is a printer. It can mean that he, he, he sells Bibles. You understand? It can mean that he should go and be hawking Bibles. It doesn't necessarily mean he should be a preacher. You can see a microphone on somebody's hand. It means he can open an electrical shop. It means he can repair microphones. <laughs> it can mean he should sell microphones. And you see people forced in ministry because they didn't get an inward call. And one of the mistakes we make a lot is that when people are zealous, we automatically think God has called them. So when, and, and, and you know, because we do that a lot as pastors, you've got that some people are scared to be very committed to God because they just feel that once they increase their commitment a little, we'll pour a bottle of oil on their head. Or when you are dressed like Harry this morning, that's such a powerful exhortation. I say, we see you with Mac and Bible. Yeah, so you, you, you find out that people are in places they shouldn't be in because someone prophesied them into that place. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, the Lord can use a man to speak to you about the call of God on your life, but essentially, you've got to know on your inside. Because when the days of adversity come, it's that inward witness that's going to make you stand. And this applies to every area of your life. Marriage, ministry, whatever, a business, job, location, geography, wherever the Lord has put you. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Go to Isaiah 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Alright, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 20. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 30, verse 20. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, He, your teacher, will no longer hide Himself. He says your teacher will no longer hide Himself. So you realize that in the Old Testament, God was veiled to the people. And please, I, I beg you, if you understand this, it will save you a lot. There is a, oh my God, there is a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There is a reason Jesus came. In the Old Testament, these people did not have this kind of close relationship with God. They, when God wanted to speak to them in Mount Sinai, and the Lord came with thunders and lightning, bam, giving all the commandments. What did the people say? They said, we don't want to hear your voice, oh God, please. Speak to Moses, and Moses would speak to us. They were afraid to hear the voice of God. Why? Because the teacher hid himself, veiled himself. And so God began to speak to them in symbols. And so you see in the Old Testament, there were a lot of symbols. When you see the Passover lamb, he was actually referring to Jesus. And you know the funny thing, right? Humans, humans always like, because we live in a three-dimensional world, we always like um, associating with symbols. So, for instance, you see people paint the Holy Spirit and they'll put a dove there as the Holy Ghost. And the reason they do that is because the Bible says he came as a dove. Now, the fact that he came as a dove does not mean we should paint the Holy Ghost in the picture of a dove. We should find out what the characteristics of a dove is. It's peaceful. It's gentle, it's pure, it's innocent. That's the dimension of the Holy Ghost. And then in the day of Pentecost, he came as fire. Because there, a revolution was about to start. A fire of Christianity was about to burn from Rome to the ends of the earth, from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. So he didn't come as dove on the day of Pentecost because he won't, the nature of a dove would not get the job done. He needed to come as fire. Because these guys were going to turn the world upside down. You can't turn the world upside down like a dove. You have to do it with some fire in your spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? So you realize that we are attracted to that symbol. The same thing. The anointing in the bottle of oil. And then you hear somebody say, well, this is the Holy Ghost. Packaged in a bottle. Doesn't make sense. He wants to live on the inside of you. Don't package him. Don't, don't package him. He's tired of being packaged. That's why God left the ark. He wants to live in human beings. He doesn't want to be caged. He wants that every bread of your body, every fiber of your body is filled with the Holy Ghost. Just as demons possess people, the Holy Ghost wants to take ownership of you. That's what the Holy Ghost wants. It says, your teacher will no longer hide himself. That means God wants us to know him. You know, we pray that prayer. And even, you even hear people prophesy that all the time. And I laugh. Like, what God wants to do for you. Eyes have not seen. Yes, I've not heard. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> but then the very next verse. What does the very next verse say? 
You don't even know. Because you don't read it. What does the next verse say? It says, but now it's been revealed to us by the Spirit. So if somebody comes and says, what God wants to do in your life? Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. When you, receive, when you lift your hands receiving the prophecy, when it finished, just say, now it's been revealed to us by the Spirit. He wants to show you. God is not interested in hiding from you anymore. And here, God, you know, God is mysterious. No, He doesn't want to be mysterious anymore. God wants you to know Him. Hey, you know, you know we, we preach that all the time. What I'm teaching you now is a mystery. It's a mystery. Stop teaching mysteries. Explain it. That's why you are a pastor. You're not a pastor to confuse people. You know, some people teach songs. I say, well, this is deep. You will not understand it. This is very deep. Ephesians 4.11 He did not say he gave some apostles, prophets and teachers to teach deep things. He gave them to equip the saints so they can be matured. Whatever you cannot explain so somebody else will understand is too deep for both of you, both pastor and member. Leave it alone. Paul says, the mystery which was hidden in ages past is now being made known by his holy prophets and his apostles. And what is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everything that God has been trying to reveal to us from Genesis to Revelation is that we can house God. Then how do you house a God that you don't hear from? It will be like erecting an altar to an unknown God. That's the mystery. Christ in us. What? The hope of glory. So, he says, okay, in Ephesians 4.12, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of service, for the building of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Now, this guy is my Holy Ghost now. He's leading me to read the scripture I didn't plan to read. Okay. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Can you see God's goal? God wants you to come to that place where you're where you come to the dimension of the fullness of Christ. God doesn't want us to be children. Verse 14. Praise the name of the Lord. As a result, as a result of what? As a result of pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers doing their job, we are no longer to be children, toes here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. Charlatans in the pulpit. Deceivers. Trickery. Craftiness in deceitful scheming. <laughs> if you read it from the message translation, let's read it very, very interesting. Message translation, we can go there quickly. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love. No, verse 14. Go to verse 14. Go, go to verse 14. No prolonged infancies among us. That's what I like. Prolonged infancies. Ten years in church, still a baby. Ten years. Prolonged infancy. No growth. Still feeding on milk. You know, teach some very basic things and some people are still confused. <laughs> still running away from witches and wizards. You know, some, 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 some Christians still use sign of the cross as prayer. Say, let us pray. What's that? Say, sign of the cross. 
Yes. So what is it about the cross? Do you know that it was not only Jesus that went to the cross? Thieves also went to the cross. So maybe you need to do like this. Like I say, Jesus own. The one of Jesus. So that when you do like this, in the realm of the spirit, we are not thinking it's the one of the thieves. What is the gospel? The gospel is not the fact that Jesus went to the cross. Thieves also went to the cross. What is the gospel? It's the fact that he went to the cross for me. He died for me. And most importantly, most importantly, that he was resurrected. If he was not resurrected, he would be like any dead religion. And I've told you before, if Jesus was killed by a gun, what would you have been doing in the sign of the prayer? And if he was killed by... By what? Now, what does that mean they used to kill people? Hanging. Yeah, I know you like the hanging example. If you were killed by hanging, what would you have done? Let us pray. <laughs> Childishness, prolonged infancies. And if you say this thing, people just get angry. What is it? What is it? What is it? Prolonged infancy. You know that's how children get angry. Very emotional when you touch their toys. These are the toys of Christians. You know... There are many things that we just grew up with. We never, you know, somebody, somebody asked me the other time, why don't you share the grace in this church? <laughs> I said, what is the grace? It's false prayer. <laughs> it's false prayer. Paul just prayed. May the grace of, Paul did not say, when you close service, end it with it. He just prayed for the people. A pastor decided, when I close service, I will use this one. Me too, I decided that when I close, I will use Hebrews. <laughs> he is not wrong. I'm not wrong. What's your problem? Why are you telling people, may the Lord be with your spirit? Paul said it. You don't even know in the scriptures when we say, turn to your name and tell them, may the Lord be with your spirit. That's what Paul said. But you don't know that because you are just used to Surely, surely, surely. And at the end of the day, when you say that for a long time, you don't even know it. That's why after some years, we'll take another Bible verse. We'll stop this one. Because once you, you see, what I'm trying to tell you is this. Don't be a prolonged baby. Grow up. Especially when certain toys are touched. Because we like what is comfortable. Come on, read on, read on. Let's go, let's go. Come on, read it. Put it up. Prolonged infancies. Don't be a baby for too long. Paul says, when you ought to be teachers, you have need that someone will teach you. Well, not tolerate babes in the woods. Small children who are an easy mark for impostors. Easy mark for thieves. So it's easy for a pastor who is forced to get a hold of you. Very easy. Because all he has to tell you is there's something after your life. Say, not true, not true, not true, not true. Once I sleep, something will be doing that. Something will always do you. Easy mark. You know, we, we're here now. We can receive an offering, Right? We can receive an offer and say, let's remember, maybe we'll get 2,000 or 3,000. And you bring one of these guys here. By the time they are done with you, 100,000 will leave your pocket. Easy mark. I'm telling you. When I hear a minister say, if you have lived for 35 years, give 35,000 as a seed, 1,000 for each year. I are running forward. Thank you, sir. In, 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 in that kind of meeting, you'll be happy that you are not old. How do you deserve a team? You will now have seed age and re-age. You say, how much should they go through? How much should they have 35? You say, no, they say it'd be 25. Your seed age. Easy mark for imposters. But the ministry of a, of a, uh, the, the fivefold ministry ought to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Come on. Go, go to verse 15. 
I like this. <laughs> Glory to God. I like this. Verse 15. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth. The whole truth. He wants you to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything. We take over our sustenance mandate. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. We take our lead from Christ. Elijah is not your example. Jesus is. Do you realize that there were things Elijah did that Jesus did not endorse? Like calling down fire. When the disciples say, let's call down fire, he says, you know no manner of spirit you are made of, meaning that we're not of that covenant. But you know we like the Elijah one because it makes people to be afraid of us. And how do we take our lead from Jesus? You know what Jesus said? He said, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. That means that we can constantly live a life in which we have constant fellowship with God. That our lives are absolutely guided by God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Come on, talk to me. Are you still here? Go to Isaiah 30, 21. Thank you, Lord. That's where we were before. Before we were led by those in the projector room. Isaiah 30, 21 now. Your ears, he says, but now your eyes will behold your teacher. Praise God. No, no, no. Get, get back to my New American Standard Bible. Thank you, Lord. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. What, whenever you turn to the right or you turn to the left. So God wants to provide specific directions to you. Praise the name of the Lord. God wants to provide what? Specific directions to you. God wants to guide you. God wants to lead you. He wants to be able to speak to you. Now, let me tell you something. If we are, if we, if we get believers, right, and we start training them like this, you realize that certain things that we force people to do, we will not force them to do it. Let me give you an example. If a believer is well trained and he can hear the voice of God, God will always give them instructions when to give and when to sow. Am I right? Come on, talk to me. Am I right? And the Lord can give them instructions even of something you thought they would never give. Like the widow of Seraphim. Like, like uh, Luke chapter 8, the people that minister to Jesus. Even on commitment, the Lord will begin to speak to people. I need you to be committed. I need you to serve in this area. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. You see, the, the, what we are trying to make people do, the Holy Ghost can get them to do it more. Are you still here? And I told you, I said it in the first service, I told you, if you are traveling, for instance, and you tell me you're traveling, you're telling me out of the courtesy and honor that I'm your pastor. It's not because if you don't tell me, you will not receive protection on that journey. I'm not the one who died for you. I'm not your savior. You say, the angels, the angels of this commission will not follow you. How can you travel and I'm not aware? What's, what's my business? Were you not traveling before you joined the church? When you leave the church, will you not travel? Is it, let's, let, we're not gods. And you know, and, and, and that's the truth. If you tell me, it's out of respect and honor, so that I'm not wondering, where are you? So, oh, pastor, I'm traveling. And of course, I can pray for you. Of course, it doesn't mean if I don't pray for you. But what I'm trying to say is, listen, you are God's child. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You belong to him. Let your confidence rest in that. 
Let your confidence not rest in the man. You honor men, you appreciate men. I'm your pastor, I'm feeding you, you give me the honor that I deserve. But listen, there's only one mediator between man and God. His name is Jesus. Because, you see, and, and why am I giving that example? It's because we've trained people that way. People almost look at it like we have to be the ones now to guide them. Because we position ourselves as junior Holy Spirit in their lives. Praise the name of the Lord. Can you seek pastoral counsel? Of course you should. If you have a pastor who cares for you, he'll provide counsel for you. But you realize that ultimately God wants to speak to you. You can hear the voice of God. And whatever counsel I'm giving you should affirm what is already in your spirit. Oh, pastor, I've been thinking, yeah, that's, this tallies with what, what I feel in my spirit to do. This, this tallies with what I sense in my spirit to do. Certain times I want to do something and I talk to my wife about it. I say, well, take some time about it. Let me know. What do you feel about it? And she, she just, okay, I, I don't think we should. I think because I can be wrong. I, listen, I can be wrong. I can think I've heard God and I didn't hear God. So that's why we subject ourselves to counsel sometimes. So we can confirm what we're sensing in our spirit. And that's why it should be good that a husband and a wife should be able to hear God independently so that both of them can check and balance themselves. This is what I'm thinking. What do you sense? Oh, no, no, I don't pick that in my spirit. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, my dad trained me how to hear God very early when I was in JS1. So he was a principal in the school. And uh, when he closed, he would tell myself and my dad would pray for like one hour. And uh, he started training me how to hear the voice of God. I had a very brief teenage rebellion, yes. Very brief. It's not, it's not too long. I'm not as bad as yours. I didn't do bad stuff. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to be a pastor. So I just wanted to run out of that whole pastoral. I knew very early I should be a pastor. But I didn't want to be a pastor. So. Um, the reason I didn't want to be a pastor is very easy. Because of church members. I've seen my dad spend all he has for church members. Love people and they walk away. Betray him. Say all kinds of stuff. And I really didn't want that to take place in my life. So I was running away from the call as far as I can. So I left home. And about a year, my parents didn't know where I was. It wasn't days of social media where you could see my Facebook account and all that. So on the, on the, the, way, do, the way they do the church stands even on a Sunday. And on a Monday, my parents had concluded that they were going to report to the police station and put, put, put me on TV. <laughs> I would have been famous. Famous very early. You know, but on a Friday night, I heard the voice of God in my spirit. It's time to go home. And uh, I went home. So I arrived home on Saturday. It was Thanksgiving. Then I was like the prodigal son. <laughs> you know, my dad gave me his coat, prayed for me, blessed me, loved me. And that day I knew I'll be, be in the ministry full time. But what I'm trying to say is that what saved me that day was the fact that my parents have taught me to hear the voice of God. Regardless of what you do for your children, teach them how to hear God. I'll tell you something. It doesn't matter how bad a child is. In the midst of their evil, they want to commit, you know, they want to commit evil that the federal government will know that somebody has committed. You know those kind of evil where you become famous in one minute. That voice will guide them away. All the time I left home, what saved me was just the voice of God and the angel of God's presence. That's the only thing you can give to your child. (laughs) Are you following what I'm saying? It's good to give them toys. I think I made this for example in the first service. It's good to give them toys, buy them bicycle, buy them all what they need. It's the Holy Spirit that will tell them not to ride that bicycle to express the day trailer is coming. 
Something will just say, don't go. You know, as they, as they learn to listen to the Spirit, it will save them from death. It's not the many external things that saves people. It's that inward witness. It's that inward witness. I think when I talk about the benefits of, of hearing God's voice, uh, next Sunday you'll learn that. There was a lady in our camp meeting, camp meeting, uh, I can't remember the exact year, so let me not mention any year, but one of our camp meetings, she was going to school. And she was about to enter into that vehicle. And I think that year I taught a lot on hearing God's voice. She was about to enter a vehicle. And she felt a restraint in her spirit to join the next one. So she didn't enter. She, she, she just waited and joined the next one. And uh, they moved 25 minutes into their journey. They saw the car that she was supposed to enter had a terrible accident. Almost everybody was gone on the spot. But she was saved. Some of us, the reason God cannot guide us, let me just say this here, is we are emotional. Once we receive the direction of the Spirit, and our friend insists, I have paid for front seats, I have paid for front seats, you will enter. Because some of us don't know how to defend our faith. You know what Paul said? He said, when God called me into the ministry, he said, I conferred not with flesh and blood. Because nobody would have believed Paul's call. Nobody. He had to be convinced in the fact that he heard the voice of God. Hallelujah. So, as much as we are teaching our children, I beg of you, invest in them spiritual things. It's what will make the difference in their choices. In how they live their lives. You know, I, I say this all the time, and, and concerning even my kids. I mean, I, I'm, I'm giving this, but that's, that's not what I'm confessing, but I'm just saying as an example. You see, the fact that you're a pastor's child doesn't mean you turn out right. That's what people don't understand. They say, ah, but you are a pastor's child. But he's a human being. And he, he's got his choices to make. And that's why the Bible is a complete book. You have children of prophets, <laughs> children of uh, Eli. How do those children love meat? You know, in those days when they, when they come, I mean, I would have loved to be a priest in those days. My life would have been very, very good. When you're coming to church this morning, all of you with goats for your sins that you have committed the week. How many goats are we going to have? <laughs> and then we have strong men, like you now, so burning as Levites. Barbecue, yeah. Just burn you, just smoke. As a high priest, I'll just be here relaxing. That I'll be pointy. Be that gizzard there. <laughs> I mean, the children, I mean, the high priest in those days, oh boy. And you know, you had only one high priest for the whole nation. So you're like, they should share the offering. Why they share offering? I mean, these boys saw this lifestyle. They were, in fact, they started eating meat. Before they sacrificed, they said, don't worry, leave it. <laughs> we eat that one. And you know, one iniquity leads to another. Once you start committing sin, you grow, you ain't grow in righteousness. That's how you grow in sin. That's why I see all kind of sexual perversion in our generation. It's because sin is also growing. That's why, I mean, people just start saying all kinds of stuff. They began to sleep with women there and all kinds of things. And, I mean, God told Eli to warn them. Eli warned them. The children didn't listen. And you know, they were the ones that killed their father. Because he didn't rebuke them. And meanwhile, another young man, Samuel, whose mother was not a priest, just brought the child and dedicated the child to God. Give the child to serve Samuel, uh, Samuel to serve Eli. 
And this boy was serving and serving and serving. You know how it is, right? You know, that's why sometimes some nannies can be better than some children of the house. Because they tell the nanny, clean that place. You are training them to be good, good wives. Wash that plate. Wash. Cook this food. The nanny can cook. Your children can cook. So by the time your children cook, we will know. Because the food has to be explained by the man who serves it. Say, 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 what is this? Say, say, goosey soup. So okay, I can see. <laughs> the teacher is no longer eating. And in your mind, you're saying, God has prospered me. Ah, my children will not pass through what I pass through. My children will not pass through what I pass through. And you are training them for non-effective living. So by the time they get married, do not be sending text message. When do they put salt? Say, put it. Say, two minutes, 22 seconds. Say, okay. How many liters? Four liters. <laughs> or they will go to YouTube. How to cook a grocery soup. Enter. Turn right. Turn, turn, turn left. Turn middle. <laughs> okay, what was I saying? Isaiah 30, 21. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So God wants to give you specific direction. And when Samuel's mother offered Samuel, what was the first point of encounter God had with Samuel? How to hear his voice. Is that not the first thing Eli trained him? He says, when he speaks, say, speak Lord for thy servant here. Do you realize, sir, that that was the thing that saved Israel from having a wrong king? When Samuel went to the house of David, a house of Jesse, to pick a king, when he saw um, Eli, the eldest one, he said, this must be the king of Israel. He brought out his own voice, and God said, no, I have not chosen him. Do you realize, if Samuel couldn't hear the voice of God, he would have ordained a wrong man, whom God did not choose as king over Israel, and messed up the plans of God. See how critical it is to hear God's voice? So you're not going to choose somebody's husband. <laughs> Make wrong choices. You see, life is too critical. You need to minimize your mistakes. And the one way you can minimize your mistake is hearing the voice of God. I mean, if you talk to my wife, the one thing I pray every day in ministry, God, let me not, I mean, just keep my path right. Because I've seen ministers, they will build massive stuff, do everything, and one mistake will bring everything down. The older you get, the more you should reduce some of your mistakes. And how can you do that? You hear the voice of God. You know the good thing? God wants to speak to us. He's not trying to hide himself. He says, you will hear a voice behind you. This is the way walking in it. And I want you to do this. Don't make it mysterious. Don't make it, oh, you know what? I can't yet. No, you can hear God. You're God's sheep. Don't make it look big. It doesn't have to be thunder. It doesn't have to be lightning. You know, I've even seen churches where they are matchmaking people. It's like, you know, you know this fine girl. Uh, God has said, two of you should marry. You don't do that. And that's why you hear some people after they are married many years, they are complaining. I will not marry you. Now that prophet will come. <laughs> yeah, why you not tell the prophet, hey, you know, my, hey, when prophet say, man, my prophet then they tell prophet no. Tell prophet no. Because at the end of the day, if you're not convinced about your choice, you are not going to take responsibility for mistakes. Are you following what I'm saying? 
And we need to be careful about this. Can't start prophesying wives over people. And you too, you need to stop seeing things. I was walking, and rain was falling. And you know, Bonnie rain. My umbrella wanted to, 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 <laughs> to spray. And I saw you, like an aboki man, with, with needle. You were not seeing the umbrella. God now said, he that saw it, is he that you should join to. Boy, you know, when the trials of life come, you will forget the dream, you forget the aboki needle, and you need to be convinced in your spirit. Because once you start liking someone, you start dreaming about them. So you cannot be led to marry just by dream. You saw uh, 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 needle and, and umbrella. Is that what you are going to live with for the rest of your life? That you saw needle and umbrella? And you have all Christians who, I mean, dreams are effective. Dreams are effective. But I'll teach you something. I'll tell you something. You realize, let me just say this quickly. You realize that dreams were what God used to guide Joseph all through the life of Jesus. If you study Matthew. God used dreams to guide Joseph, went to run to Egypt, went to come back, and all of that. Why did he do that? The Holy Ghost was not given. But you realize immediately after Jesus came, if you read the whole of the Pauline epistles, you would not see where dreams became a source of direction. Because immediately the Holy Ghost came, the great teacher was now on our inside. Even when I have a dream, I check with the teacher. Are you following what I'm saying? The best way the Lord leads you is through the Holy Spirit on your inside. Because you can be tired and dream anything. You know sometimes when you are hungry, you dream, you eat in your dream. You are just hungry. You have not eaten. And your, your, your stomach is hungry. You now start eating the, dream, eating the dream. And you know in the dream, you can afford anything. Eating chicken, eating goat meat, eating gizzard, fry this thing, fry it. When you wake up, I say, Ah, I'm eating, no, I'm eating. And then as you're just driving, something happened to your car, so I talk, Ah, that food. Do you realize something? Let me tell you something, right? Let me tell you something, and it's very clear. If you are in this church and you listen to me teach constantly, you realize that if you eat in the dream and you get up, nothing bad will happen to you. And some of you have been eating, I can see you. I can see those eating the dream say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but you realize that before you came here, where you eat, even now you look for food in the dream, like, ah, I've just for one week now, I never eat. <laughs> but you realize that because of the right teaching, it's no longer a problem. You know why? Because you are a creative being. Whatever you imagine, you will create into your life. And whatever you're taught, that you would manifest. Are you following this now? And someone say, well, it happens. And even if it's a demon case, when you get up, deliver yourself. You understand? Stand up, say, in the name of Jesus, that demon that is making me to eat, come out. Then you, yourself, you can be watching yourself manifest. When you are finished, you gather yourself, you sit down, you dress. Because you have been ordained to cast out demons. And that demon casting includes the demon that is in you. You have to cast it out. He didn't say you are, you have to cast out demons in others. <laughs> no. So if you even find out, I'm saying, let me just agree for the benefit of doubt. If you find out that it is a demon making you to eat, after the last meal, after your last supper, cast the demon out of yourself. Anything you don't want, take it out of your life. You've got the authority. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
You've got the authority. You know, my, my, my wife shared when she was teaching on prevailing faith about the experience we had in one of the houses we lived in. And it was very practical. She wasn't, she wasn't making up stories. <laughs> I remember that day we were on the bed and we were just lying down. We were just talking. And bam, the fan came on. Fan that was off, number three. She was like, are you the one that owned the fan? I was like, you know what, I'm supernatural, but I've not gone to that extent yet. <laughs> and she went, the fan was done. We put it off again. And sometimes she will tell me, you know, put stuff, you see it on the, on the floor. You know, at the point, I just, you know, we talked about it. But at the point, you know, I just told myself, you know what? You know what? This thing, you will stop today. We just spoke words. Now I said, and we've had all kinds of experiences. We've had all kinds of experiences in many places that we've lived in. Praise God. In fact, in one of the houses we lived in one time, we had, we had a, a robbery experience. And, uh, and, you know, when we moved to another house, we kept, you know... I, at the point, if we want to lock the door, we would, you know, say, ah, we need to lock the door because... So at the point, I said, no, no, you know what? We are almost living in an expectation of these visitors coming. So no more. We lock the door because we have to lock the door. You, you understand that? Because you know what we're doing? Unconsciously, we're beginning to create an expected visitation from the brothers. Why? Mark eleven twenty three. you would have what you say. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Certain things can happen in your life not because God wants them to happen but you have been trained to expect them. But the more... Let me tell you something. Let me just say this quickly about deliverance. You know what Jesus said? He said if a man is delivered the man is free. He has gone through deliverance session. He's free. We agree. Completely free. You know what the Bible says? It says that spirit will go out. You know, it's the way cultists operate now. When you beat a cultist, he will not say anything. He will go back and go and gather his brothers to come and attack you. That's the way evil spirits work. He says he will go back. And when he comes back and finds that the place is dry and clean, he will go and bring several... You need to understand the words of Jesus. Some people should be left with their demons. <laughs> if you will not teach them, leave them alone. The only problem they are having is that at night, they cannot sleep. It's okay. They can be sleeping during the day. He says he will come back with seven more wicked spirits. That is why, listen carefully to what I'm teaching. You know, sometimes I laugh, but you need to understand what I'm saying. That's why you got some people who go to certain deliverance ministries. It is like when they started, it was a small problem. But when they continued, the problem enlarged. And you know what? The people will say, we told you, it's the spirit. No, it's not the spirit. You took out the first one and didn't teach them. You didn't fill the house. So there are now more wicked spirits. And that's why we teach the way we teach. Because your house needs to be filled. Are you following what I'm saying? Your, your spirit needs to be filled. So when those wicked spirits come, you will say like Jesus, when they came, they found nothing in me. Praise God. You finish casting demons out of the man. You need to teach him who he is in Christ. You need to teach him his authority in Christ. You need to teach him the truth of what Jesus has done for him. You need to teach him to know who he is. And so he can begin to take authority, take his place in God. And not live in fear anymore. 
But then you, you cast out demons from people and every day you're still telling them about demons and demons and demons and demons and demons and demons and you know what's going to happen? Seven more wicked spirits is going to invade that place. Glory to God. I said glory to God. You know, I, you know, I share some of these things so that you will know that some of us even have these experiences. That's why I shared that. I remember when I was growing up, I had a, I had a, a bike accident around this, my chest region. And my, my, <laughs> I remember one woman came to, to, to visit my mom. The place was paining me afterwards. And uh, she, she came to visit my mom. She now said that every year or every time when it is that time of that accident, that place will be paining me. How many of you have heard that? How many of you have heard that? I wish that woman never came. You realize something? The next year, that place started paining me. So we began to expect the pain like our birthday anniversary. It's two months to the pain. It's one month to the pain. Yeah, the pain has arrived. You know, it's almost like baking cake. <laughs> but as I began to grow up in the knowledge of who I am, I said, what nonsense. Christ has delivered me from the bondage of days and seasons. In the name of Jesus, you leave and you never return. That's the end. Most of the problems I have had, I've solved myself by God's word. In fact, there are things myself and my wife have gone through. We didn't call our father. I mean, my dad didn't call him. Why? He's taught us enough. He's taught us enough. I remember when she was diagnosed having fibroid, fibroid was bigger than the baby and we were having issues with my first son. <laughs> we finished dealing with everything. We went back to the hospital, the report was turned, and that's where we told him. That's where we told my parents. Now, I'm not saying if you have stuff you can't share, but what I'm trying to say is, listen, I already understand that the victory is in the Word. We've been taught how to put the Word to work and we just put it to work. It is not by how many people pray for you that makes you to get the victory. It is if you have faith in God's word. Hallelujah. Come on, are you learning something this morning? Okay, quickly now. Our time is going. Oh, wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go to Isaiah 58. My, 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 my. Isaiah chapter 58. Are you learning something this morning? Say amen if you are. Alright, Isaiah 58 verse 11. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the Lord will continually guide you. That means there is continuous guidance from the Lord. And satisfy your desire in scorched places. And give strength to your bones. And you'll be like a world garden. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And the Lord will continually guide you. And I want to say this. This is impressed in my spirit. Let me say it. And you know what? As a Christian, when you move to new houses, alright? You move to any house. Stop asking who lived there before. What are you looking for? Say, who, 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 who lived here before? <laughs> Out of fear. Now, you said an evil person lived there, so you cannot stay there. Who do you want to go and stay there? Are, are you following what I'm saying? Unnecessary fear. And you have pastors, you know, it, it was, and I must say this, like I said this with all of my heart, right? Is when I got to a, a level in ministry, when I started pastoring on my own, that's when I realized that sometimes they call pastors for very, sometimes very unnecessary things. And pastors also created that job for themselves. You cannot enter a new house. We have to trace the foundation. Anoint the evil foundation and break it. Unnecessary job. 
So you now he'll be carrying you from, from house to house. Ah, pastor, just pack up. Come and trace foundation. Tracing foundation. Tracing foundation. Okay. <laughs> we wanted to build this church. Our church here. I was there. After one week, I said, what's going on? He said, they have not laid foundation. I said, why? What? See, they are waiting for me. I'm waiting for me. I paid for the land. Dig the place and start building. You need to pray for the foundation before they dig. Any day I pray, it will be answered. Some of all those things, eh, let me tell you, there is no scriptural basis for it. No, I mean, one Bible verse, none. Is you know, sometimes when, 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 when a pastor cannot study and he wants work, he will not start creating all those works. So he will follow you like house agent from house to house looking for foundation because he's not, there's, he doesn't have time. He cannot read Bible. He's tired. So you are looking for four houses. The man will follow you. Digging foundation, carrying this, digging palm tree. He will follow you and travel to the village. As I'm here and I follow you to travel to the village. You are not serious. For what? Two days, travel to village to go and dig palm tree. Why did I go to school? So I will not be a farmer like my grandfather. After now answering the call to ministry, you now want to turn me to a farmer. It won't work. Because the man does not... Two days of study, of writing, of praying, to go and dig... <laughs> I'll send Harry with you. Now see man of God digging for this. I'll say, pray, pray as we are digging. Say, Jesus name, yes. Be digging, sir. Be digging, sir. Then at the end, they pull 100,000 in envelope for you. Why will you not continue to look for palm trees to dig? You know, if I have that kind of pastor, you know what I'll do? I'll just take them to a palm tree forest. and say, you know what? My grandfather planted all of this. There's probably 100,000 for one, 100,000 for one. Just turn them to farmers. You realize that their doctrine will change. It's laziness. He says, we are tracing your foundation. What is your foundation? You are now a child of Christ. Your foundation is in Jesus. You have been redeemed from the curse of the Lord. Galatians 3.13 Christ is now the cornerstone. Is it that you believe this or you don't want to believe it? And I'll tell you the truth. These are some of the things that stops God from guiding us. Because we fill our hearts with so much... Let me, let me read it to you. Go to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 31. Let me show you this. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Leviticus 19. Are you, are you, are you here? Leviticus 19, 31. It says, Leviticus 19, 31. Do not turn to mediums, ghosts, or spirits. Do not seek out to be defiled by them. I'm the Lord your God. Let's read the message transition. Message says, do not dabble into occults. You're looking for direction. You go to a church where, where they are lighting candles and selling coconut oil and dancing and playing bell and doing all kinds of things. What are you looking for? Look at this. Do not dabble in the occult or traffic with mediums. You will pollute your souls. And you see some Christian now looking at horoscope. What's your, your bet month? I'm August. I'm Leo. I'm, I'm, I'm Aquarium. <laughs> I'm Leopard. <laughs> because what are you looking for? Hey, Leopard, you have a problem in your love life. You don't marry in the rainy season. You're, what nonsense. Don't, don't dabble into occult. Stop playing all those games on Facebook. How will you look when you are 80 years? How many people have you cheated on? How will your grandmother look like? Stop those nonsense. If you don't have anything doing, go and play, do something. 
plant kokoyamo, do something. Don't dabble into those things. The Lord can tell you what your future is going to become. I said, the Lord can tell you what your future is going to become. You don't need any man to tell you. You don't need any spirit. You don't need any, you don't need any, nothing. God himself will speak to you in the language you understand what your future is all about. You don't even need me to tell you. All I need to tell you is that God will tell you. That's what I need to tell you. That if there's something concerning your future, God can and will tell you. Look at this. John chapter 16 verse 13. John 16 13. You know, sometimes when we talk about Paul and Silas, they prayed at midnight, they sang. We now use it as a formula. So we say we are going to have Paul and Silas dimension of praise. So all of you, <laughs> all of you are going to start praising by 11.30 and we are going to... <laughs> and then you know what happened. Hey, why are you using the message? Go back to New American Standard Bible. Okay. Now, you realize something? You know why Peter and all of those guys, they were sleeping. God was giving them words about their lives. So they could praise God in prison because they know how their life is going to end. Do you know as you're here right now, if God tells you you're going to live up to 90 years, do you know there's a new confidence you will live in? No, let's just agree that God told you. Say, you know what, my son? You will live up to 90. Do you know that some fear will go out of your heart? All those fear of when you enter, enter transport, you'll be praying. You know those fear will leave your heart. Blood sucking demon. Blood sucking demon. Blood sucking demon. Blood sucking demon. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit can tell us what is to come. You know, let me explain this to you. And when I say this, some people think that, oh, it's because I'm not conscious of devils. I pretend as if I don't know devils exist. Okay, so I don't understand. They exist, yes. Not for people like us. <laughs> you know, you realize that when you're entering some vehicles, you pray those prayers. People will pray, and some pastors, even if you don't close your eyes, they will harass you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. We are not playing here. <laughs> then you close your eyes, pray, Father. As they go, they will come. In, they will not come back in pieces. They will come in peace. You know when you say things like that, it do. Mm, I will not return in pieces. I'll be in peace. Okay. You realize that when you are flying, hmm? you know when you are flying. There's nobody who says you should do opening prayer, because if you are in a plane, you now say let's pray. It's newspaper somebody will use to just slap you there. Because you, you, you are disturbing. I don't know if you understand. So, the blood-sucking demons, is it that they cannot buy tickets? <laughs> We're all in Bonnie here. You know when you're entering the local boat, you pray. Even me, the day I entered with my family, I prayed special prayer. Lord, as we are going. Because, huh, those guys. But how many of you remember to pray when you're entering the NLNG boat? No, let's be honest. How many of you have ever prayed, Father? Oh, just say, let's stand up, let all of us pray. You, no, you, you can Some of you even plan to sleep on the boat. You are just waiting. You, there's a seat I like. I like that seat because I can sleep. You just rush to the seat so you can sleep. What happened to the demons? You see that the, the demons, 
There's something about poverty and prosperity that affect the demons. That when you are in lack, they hang around you a lot. But maybe you break through a bit. Discover that. That's why you see that preachers who preach all of these things, they emphasize two things a lot. Demons and money. Demons and money. Demons and money. Because they know that immediately you make a level of wealth, those things will stop. Then you will say, ah, the man of God has anointing. Because the demons they preach can only be broken it's because you are poor. No, check your prayers now. There are some houses you will leave, you will forget to pray. There are some you will leave. Every night you'll be hearing something walking. It's rats. Rats. And the rat has given birth to many children. So one is going to look for food. The other one is going to say, ah, the many. Then you are praying, praying. Then you move to a place. Just go, ah, no noise. He says, ah, I, I slept like a baby. Yes, you now have money. <laughs> Nothing is pursuing your destiny. It's just lack. That's the truth. And even if something is pursuing it, you know what you do? You stand up today and say, today is the last day. In the name of Jesus, I'm a child of God. And that's the end. Are you following what I'm saying? I remember a lady came to me one time and she said, well, they're always pursuing her in a dream. Ah, she doesn't know what to do. I said, I'll tell you what to do now. The next time they're pursuing you, turn back. Don't run. The reason they keep pursuing you is because you're running. So the next time they pursue you, change the journey. You turn back and start pursuing them. They will be running. So let's change the direction. That was the end. She was free. You know, just that consciousness of, oh, so I can pursue them. Whatever the pursuit means to her, I don't know. But. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm trying to say? The truth of the matter is Christ has made us free. I said Christ has made us free. I said Christ has made us free. I said Christ has made us free. And God wants to guide us in the freedom. There are more things that God is calling us to do in the nations of the earth. And he wants to guide us that way. You are a child of God. You can hear the voice of God. Hallelujah. Let's be on our feet. Glory to God. Our time is up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Let's sing that song quickly. <laughs> Glory to God. I mean, there is no freedom. There is no liberty that God cannot give to us. And if you're here and you, have, and you just have anything after your life, we're going to take authority over it today. And in the name of Jesus, you're going to walk in the freedom that God has provided for you. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.